Uh, message today is on corporate identity. We've been in a sermon series called Identity. We've really been looking at what is true of us in Christ, um, our, our identity as beloved sons and daughters, beloved kids who are free from condemnation, free from guilt and shame, who have become the righteousness of God and are, are actually walking temples, dwelling places of God himself, and, and many other sort of identity statements found in Scripture. And today I just want to look at the fact that there actually is a, a group identity or a corporate identity for us as believers. We've been talking about it actually um, already over the last couple of minutes and even praying over it. But it is in some to say that because of Jesus, because we are in Christ, in fact, we are closer to one another in Christ than we are in any other way with any other peoples, including our own biological family. And, and the reason this is an important thing to talk about is because currently in our culture, we are obsessed with group identity, aren't we? Actually... Actually, our culture is obsessed with identifying people by groups. Is it, are y'all understanding what I'm saying? That there's an obsession. In fact, uh, Tuesday is an example of a group identity. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, did you vote for, you must be, oh, you voted for, oh, you must be this group or this group. And depending on where you're at in your sanctification, you may be like, y'all are condemned to going to hell, Right? But actually, I, I, I'm pressing this, and I think, again, it sounds like we know what we're doing. The Lord knows what he's doing. <laughs> that two days before election day, the Lord is saying to us as a church, just reminding us again, our greatest corporate identity is that we're in Jesus. That that actually supersedes all group identities. It actually supersedes gender identity and ethnic identity and socioeconomic identity. It, it supersedes political identity. It supersedes ideological identities. In, in such a way that we were praying for people halfway across the world just now, right? That means that there are individuals in chains right now that you and I have never met that we are closer to than somebody who shares all the other identities with us here in the States but is not a Christian. Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? So like my neighbor who's a white dude who's in his 40s with a magnificent beard, right? Who thinks like me, votes like me, does everything like me, but doesn't follow Jesus. I am less like him than somebody in chains right now I've never met and I don't speak their language and they don't look like me or think like me or talk like me, but I'm closer to them because of Jesus. And that is actually the more fundamental group identity than anything else that's being posited to us in our culture. So you may vote here or here, but actually, regardless of how you vote, the more fundamental identity is not political. Rather, it is political. It's the King Jesus. So just a loving reminder to us, especially in our social media conversations. Those are more like one-way scream fests, I think, though. Um, that our deeper identity corporately as a group is not who we voted for, but who is in fact the king of our lives, Jesus. 
that we have a corporate identity in Christ. Okay, apparently that was the second message. So here we go with the actual <laughs> message. <laughs> mm, the big idea of the series that we've been walking through is this. We have a creator and a redeemer who has fashioned us and purchased us by his own blood. We are his and he defines us, not the world, not friends, not family, not accomplishments, not our voting patterns, not even ourselves. We are his kids, and knowing what the Father thinks about us will change everything. It will change everything. Message is in two parts. These are going to be two very quick parts, apparently. Uh, number one, corporate identity from Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, and then we're going to make some practical applications based off of our four priorities. So let's look at Matthew chapter 11 together. Looking at corporate identity, Matthew chapter 11, <clears throat> verses 28 to 30, Jesus says this. <clears throat> he says, come to me. That's where it starts, right? <laughs> it's Jesus. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, we know the context very often when Jesus is teaching. Uh, he is just had a confrontation with religious leaders, or he's about to have a confrontation with religious leaders. And this issue of yokedness, take my yoke upon you, take my burden upon you, these are uh, trigger words uh, in the narrative. Because Jesus will say things like, uh, the, you Pharisees, woe to you, for you are taking heavy burdens and putting them on the people of God. You, you know what I'm saying? You remember this. He's contrasting actually religiousness with Jesusness. He's contrasting the way of thinking that says, religiously, uh, to be accepted by God, I have to obey all the rules. Obey, 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 obey. When I die, hopefully I obey it enough. God loves me. That's a religious system. By the way, every single religion is solving for that, except for Christianity. Every religious system and actually, every worldview is trying to solve for stuff is jacked up. How do we solve the jacked up stuff and get to the good place? That's what all worldviews are trying to answer that problem. Like something's wrong. What's wrong? How do I solve it so that when I die or whenever, whenever I can get out of this sort of karma thing, like reincarnation thing, whatever it is, we want to solve it. All worldviews try to solve that problem. All religions outside of Christianity say, roughly, that you need to obey and progressively stop doing bad stuff, do more good stuff. At the end, if the, balances, if the scales balance out in your favor of good stuff more than bad stuff, you're good to go. Jesus says, come to me. He doesn't say, come to a list of rules, does he? He says, come to me, and I will, what? I will give you rest. One thing that all religious worldviews and all ideological worldviews, they cannot guarantee rest. For you are always on the hamster wheel trying to solve 
in your own strength. Are you all hearing me this morning? In fact, there is no rest because you got to keep going. But Jesus says, actually, come to me and I will give you rest. And how does that rest come? It comes like this. Every single one of us feels broken on the inside. And we're trying to solve for what is, what is actually wrong with me? What's going on inside of me that I say the things that I say and that I think the things that I think and I behave in the ways that I behave? My, my, my desires and passions are so disordered that when I pursue them, I actually feel worse off than before. My, my lusts are so jacked up that I think to myself, if I do this thing, then it will bring me rest. And then I go do that thing and then I realize, actually, I'm in a worse off place than before. And so then I think to myself, okay, well, what can solve this? And I just, I start following lusts and desires. Is, is it just me or is it everybody else? And we continually just look around for things to give us rest. Okay, maybe if I have this relationship with this person, like if she loves me in this particular way. You remember that movie? And the guy says, you complete me. That is the worst possible thing to say to someone because you're actually looking at that person and saying, you need to be God to me to fill the God-sized hole in my heart. I'm looking at you that you can complete me. Guess what? She ain't going to complete you, brother. Let me talk to your sister. She's not going to complete you. Jess is awesome. She's not God. And as soon as I require Jess to give me rest, peace, wholeness, satisfaction, and joy, I will destroy my marriage. Because I will require of Jess something that only the creator, my creator, has been designed to give to me, which is rest. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. In the context, he's talking about religious performance who labor and are heavy laden, who are having burdens. No, no, you must obey this law to experience uh, completeness with God. You, mu you must do this thing. And the truth of the gospel is this. Jesus has fulfilled the law for us in our place. That actually, it does require every single one of us, it requires all of us to obey the law completely. That actually is true. Like to be in right relationship with God, every single one of us has to be sinless and to obey the law perfectly. The problem is, none of us have done that, right? <laughs> none of us. Actually, we're really, actually, really messed up. If, I know that we like to act like we're good, but if you just take a couple of seconds and just like analyze your thoughts, you're like, man, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I, why am I thinking about that? And Jesus comes and says this, come to me. Because actually, you cannot obey enough for God to restore you to himself. You actually can't stop sinning and start doing all the right things. Literally, inside, we are so broken. It's called original sin. Like literally, you actually cannot obey the law. Such that God has said, even though they're enemies of mine, actively rebelling against me, God says, I love them so much, I will enter into their space. I will actually take on the punishment that they deserve for their brokenness. And I, have lived a perfect, I will live a perfect life obeying the law completely. And I will die on the cross in their place, taking on their wrath and guilt and punishment for their sin, even though I was innocent. God himself dies on the cross for us in our place. He's buried in the ground. He rises on the third day, triumphant over your sin and my sin, 
having extinguished the wrath of God towards your sin and my sin. He has extinguished it. There is none left. That's why Paul says, you are free from condemnation in Christ. And he says, anyone, anyone who wants to come to God the Father, you must come through me. I have obeyed the law for you and lived perfectly. And I will credit that to your account. And you're so jacked up, I actually, as God, came to die for you in your place. So the debit in our life, we went from infinite debit, and then mercy says, actually, Jesus dies in our place. We go from infinite debit to baseline. That's called mercy. And then God looks at us and says, in Christ, actually, I will credit all the righteous obedience of Jesus that he performed. I will credit it to your account. You go from infinite debit to baseline, that's mercy. Then you get grace. You become the righteousness of God. This is what the gospel says, that the perfect obedience of God to God's commands, he obeyed the law and then credits it to us. We get infinite credit. This is why some some people think to themselves, I need to obey. I need to do all of these things so that God will love me. You are are displaying that you do not understand the gospel. Because the gospel actually says, You do not obey to earn his love. He has obeyed himself for you. Y'all hearing me this morning? He has obeyed himself for you. And he says, if you'll come to me, I will cancel the infinite debit and I will give you an infinite credit if you will come to me. You say, well, Jamie, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I don't have to do anything? I I, I just gotta trust this Jesus? Yes. You see... When you realize that, you look at this Jesus and you go, wait a second. Let's take a divine time out real quick. You created me. I rebelled against you. I deserve infinite wrath forever. But you, the perfect creator, decided to come and take on the wrath that I deserve for me. And then you obeyed the law for me in my place and you credit it to me. Of course you're the boss. Of course I will follow you. Do you see it? Of course I will obey you. I've received infinite, glorious forgiveness, mercy, and grace. Of course I will do what you ask me to do. Do you see it? One is obeying the law, obeying the word of God, based off of, I hope this is good enough for you. That's one way to obey. The other is to obey, I have been infinitely loved by a God who died for me and gave himself for me, and now he's given me all things. Of course I would obey him. Do you see it? There's a huge, and what's funny is people will obey God and you can't really tell what's happening in their heart. Did you know that? There's all kinds of preachers that are standing and preaching sermons. You don't know if they're doing it to earn God's love or if they're doing it from God's love. There's all kinds of people that give to the poor, but you don't actually know if they're doing it religiously or Jesusly. You don't know if they're doing it with a heavy burden or if they're coming to Jesus and experiencing rest. Are y'all hearing me right now? There's no implication of not doing the works of God. The question is, do I do the works of God gratefully and thankfully because of all that has been given to me? I would gladly obey. Or do I do the works of God because I'm hoping that by doing the works of God, he will somehow forgive me? And I get to go to the good place when I die. Jesus says, come to me. You who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now you may be saying, okay, well, what does that have to do with corporate identity? (laughs) 
I believe the Lord is actually this passage. And I didn't, I didn't see this until about, I don't know, four or five weeks ago. I believe this passage actually is a prophetic scripture over this church. And when I mean church, I mean this local expression of the body of Christ here in Marymount. I, I think that this is a uniqueness to what God is doing here in this place in this season. Uh, the message translation of this um, goes like this. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I think in this identity series, we didn't see it coming. At least I didn't see it coming. I think in this identity series, the Father has opened all of our eyes to what it is to live gospel gospelly informed freedom. Like he's, he's opened all of our eyes corporately as a family to say, actually, if you will just come to me, you will experience freedom in the kingdom. And here's the deal. I believe that the Father is going to bring a lot of people who are tired, worn out, and burned out on religion because they're going to experience the freedom of Christ here. In fact, I think that the village of Marymount itself is tired, worn out, and burned out on religious ideologies. And I think the Father is going to draw many people, and people are going to experience real freedom, not in church, no, no, freedom in Christ, where they will learn what it means to keep company with Jesus, and they will learn to live freely and lightly. The reason I'm, the reason I'm pressing that is because, did you notice in our last sharing ser- service, it was this last Sunday, did you notice how much vulnerability there was in the sharing, in the corporate sharing? You just notice how many people were talking about their own stuff, talking about their own brokenness, talking about dark stuff in their life that Jesus had come and brought freedom to. Did you notice that? Do you know how difficult it is to actually see vulnerability happen just with one person and another person? That's really hard, actually. Can you imagine what, how much harder it is to experience vulnerability in a corporate setting? That is a sign to us. The... the if I, if I am trusting in my own behavior and keeping up appearances religiously, I will never be vulnerable. But if actually my status as a person rests in Jesus, then I'm willing to be vulnerable because your opinion of what I've just said about my own broken places, your opinion doesn't register whether I'm good or bad. It is what the Father says about me in Christ. So it releases vulnerability in the community. Are you all seeing what I'm saying? Churches are notorious for being the most unvulnerable place where we all walk around. Oh, how you doing, brother? I'm just blessed. And, but you're not. You're, actually, you're not. You're jacked up and you need Jesus, right? We all do. Sometimes people see people speaking up here like, oh, that person must have it all together. Nope, actually, we all need Jesus really bad. He's creating an environment. This is what I'm calling corporate identity. He's creating a place where people know how to keep company with Jesus and they know how to walk free and light so that when people come here who are tired, burned out, and worn out on religion actually experience Jesus, they don't experience fancy preaching or fancy churches. They experience the King of Kings, Jesus. 
I'm telling you, it's a prophetic word over this church. That we're a place where you learn how to keep company with Jesus and you learn how to live freely and lightly. You say, Jamie, why that particular scripture? It, it's crazy. If you drive this parking lot right here, this, there's a bump out on the back of this building. On the bottom of the bump out, I want everyone to drive by. You can see Dennis Bowe and the, and the uh, renovation team put that scripture on the bottom, on the back of our building. You know how crazy that is? And it's in the message translation. Have you ever heard Dennis preach from the message translation? No. In fact, when I first saw it, I was like, what are you doing, Dennis? I mean, I love Eugene Peterson. I'm not trying to hit on Eugene Peterson. But I'm just like, what are you, what are you putting the message? Uh, it's because uh, the father loves a good setup. The father loves a good setup. I, in my mind, I, I straight judged that scripture. I was like, this is stupid. I don't know why I put that there. What is Dennis' message? Come on, man. Because I think I'm some sort of, it's a divine setup. Because he wants us to not take ourselves too seriously and to be obsessed with Jesus. He says, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When I hear keep company with me, this is what I hear. I hear Jesus in John 15. He says this, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. One of our goals as a church family is to be obsessed with Jesus, is to be singularly focused on Jesus. And uh, I, I mentioned that it's almost like a church hack. It's almost like a church hack because all churches have to make decisions about what are they going to be. There's many churches in the city that actually have chosen, we're going to be a church that's about reaching 35, 25 to 35-year-olds, males. Which, by the way, I don't, I don't, I'm not discounting any of that. But churches make decisions. Like, we're going to be this. This is what we're going to be. And other churches say, we're going to be missions. We're going to be a missions church. This is what we're going to do. Or other churches say, we're going to be a discipleship. It's all about discipleship over here. Or it's going to be all about whatever. It's all about the poor. It's all about racial reconciliation. It's about multiculturalism. All of these things. Well, how do you decide which of those? And actually, what we've stumbled into is actually there is a, it's called a church hack. If you are obsessed with Jesus, you get all of those things. Uh, Tozer actually said this. I've, already, I've, I've quoted this before. If you take a piano and you try to tune it to another piano, that maybe works. But if you take 100 pianos and you try to tune them all to themselves, you're not going to get unity. But if you take a tuning fork and you sound it and you tune 100 pianos to the tuning fork, you get unity. Because all the pianos are looking at the one singular one. Do you see what I'm saying? So you want unity, actually, among gender ideologies and political ideologies and racial ideologies, all the ideologies. If you want unity, actually it is found in Jesus, in obsessive, intentional pursuit of Jesus. If I pursue the other things, I may get those things, but I don't get Jesus, potentially. I could be, I could be obsessed with discipleship and not get Jesus. I could be obsessed with giving to the poor and not get Jesus. But if I get Jesus, guess what? He loves the poor. I will go to the poor. But if I get Jesus, he's obsessed. He says, learn from me. My yoke is easy. Learn from me. That's discipleship. Of course I'll do discipleship because I'm obsessed with Jesus. It's a hack. Maybe it's just because we're simple leaders. We don't know what we're doing. You laugh. That's true. What we do know is 
we're obsessed with Jesus. And Jesus is the boss. And wherever Jesus says go, we go. So if you're obsessed with Jesus, you get all the stuff that Jesus loves and commands you to do because he will not leave you. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Let's do this together. So it's a prophetic identity over Marymount Church in this season is that we are a people who learn how to keep company with Jesus, how to abide in Jesus. This is why we're adding worship services during the week. This is why we encourage practice of the presence of God, communion with God, because we want to learn to keep company with him. Does that make sense? It's interesting. There have been a number of prophetic words spoken in this season, and there are two that have kind of collided, multiple people sharing. And the picture is this, is that Marymount Church is like a big barn, and the doors are opening on this barn. There's a bunch of animals inside. There's a lot of animals on the outside. A lot of animals are hearing something. And they're coming into the, the barn doors have opened, and those animals are hearing something. They're coming into this barn. At the same time, there are animals that are in the barn, and they're leaving. And the difference between this and this is there's a dinner bell. There's a dinner bell ringing. And that dinner bell is hunger for Jesus, intentional pursuit of Jesus, obsessive desire for Jesus. And that bell is drawing people here. I don't know how many conversations I've had with people. They're like, your preaching's not that great. A little long-winded. Ministries, the amenities of the church, not that great. Communication could be better. But they say this, but the presence of God is here. You see, when you draw people to the presence of God rather than ministries, you don't have to keep up the ministries to keep people because they're coming for the presence of the Lord Jesus himself. See, actually... uh, the way in, in the kingdom, churches aren't about amenities, um, doing certain ministries to attract people. Actually, it's about stewarding the presence of God in such a way that the people who he is drawing will come. And here's the deal. There are a lot of churches in Cincinnati, and there are people here who have been here a long time. Maybe you've only been here just a couple of weeks, and you actually realize you're not supposed to be here. And I bless you to go because the Father is drawing, and the Father is also leading others to other churches. Are you, are you hearing me right now? This isn't about churches. It's about who is the Father drawing to specifically invest in a specific local congregation. It's not about getting bigger. It's about getting more of Jesus. And whoever is drawn to that particular thing and that the Father is drawing, we bless you. Come, come. Come pursue Jesus with us. But people who are being led away, you're like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. I'm, I, this isn't right. I bless you. You should go. Because apparently, I'm talking about corporate identity, the Father draws people with specific gifts, talents, abilities, and experiences because he is forming a unique people group. Are, are, you know what I'm saying? That means there's some people who have been here. Actually, you're supposed to go to another church because he is drawing you to this place to do a unique corporate identity there. Are you seeing? It's not about amassing more people. No, it's about who is the Father drawing here that want to do what we're doing, which is obsessively pursuing Jesus. That's why we keep saying this stuff, so it's super clear. So the dinner bell is so clear that someone goes, yeah, I ain't about that. I'm going over here. Great, we bless you. God bless you. Go. Or I hear, what is this? It's the presence of God. I'm coming. God bless you. Come. It's fine. Who comes and who goes is less important to me than Jesus is here. And he is drawing unique gifts and skills and experiences and personalities that are going to come learn how to keep company with Jesus, abide with him, 
and are going to learn how to live freely and lightly and are going to learn what it means that when you see someone come in who is tired, worn out, burned out on religion, you know how to go, hey, come here. His name is Jesus. I'm going to teach you how to keep company with him and learn to live freely and lightly. And then another person comes up, oh, you look worn out on religion. Hey, let me introduce you uh, to our pastor. Nope. You should, there's a great Bible study. Nope. We have these amazing blah, blah, blah. Nope. Actually, we want to introduce you to Jesus. He says, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. If you will keep company with me, you will learn how to live freely and lightly. I'm trying to be super clear right now. Because the Father is fashioning together a unique corporate expression of his body right here. And it does not help to be unclear about what he's doing. He's drawing people who say, I want to keep company with Jesus and learn how to live freely and lightly. And I want to be obsessed with Jesus. I want his presence. I want to know him. I want to experience him. I want to love him the way the Father loves him. Like when Jesus says, the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth.